Hello, and welcome to South Texas Stories. My name is Amanda Kowalski. We will be looking at House of Rock and its connection to the community around it. Do you remember when music first touched your life? I do. It was my parents playing records. We had a great big fake wooden stereo system in our living room. It was huge, with towering speakers. The sounds of the record player coming to life has always been important to me, and to this day, I prefer listening to vinyl records. Those familiar pops and crackles are as much a part of me as my eye color, which is gray if you're wondering. As family, we saw live music. It was a common part of our life. Growing up in Corpus Christi, a small city in South Texas on the Gulf of Mexico allowed for a mixture of cultures to influence my tastes. The city hummed with many different rhythms, Country, rock, jazz, Tejano, so many styles of music. My parents enjoyed country music and rock music from the 1950s and 60s. Outside influences on my musical taste came from my neighbors, who showed me Tejano and rap as a child. I never needed to rebel to listen to music. I was never censored, never told that music could turn me into a bad person or lead me down the wrong path. My mom helped me save up money for my very first cassette tape. I was eight years old. It was Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. These memories are something everyone can relate to. Music shapes each and every one of us. The biggest musical experience in most people's life is the first concert. Do you remember your first concert? This is where it gets tricky for me. I grew up with live music, whether it was concerts my parents took me to or my best friend's father who played in a Tejano band. Live music was always a part of my life. But the first show I went to without my parents? That I do remember. It was Ronnie James Dio. That changed who I was. I was 14. This was exciting. I could be free and on my own. I was scared, too. But then something clicked. I was with people who liked what I liked. I looked around and they dressed like me. This was not family or classmates, but it was my community. I felt like I belonged. This experience is vital for an individual and a community. The connection formed by live music performance also allows for venues to be a place of local community and culture. These experiences are not lost to a previous era. These memories are still being made in so many places. They build the culture and identity of the city while supporting the economics. I wanted to look closer at a place memories like this are made, so I spoke with Casey Lane, the owner and operator of House Rock, to understand how a music venue fits within the community around it. House of Rock is situated in downtown Corpus Christi, an area that has seen both boom and bust. Urban decay has crept through the area for decades, but recently it has been in an upswing. House of Rock opened in 2005 when most bars and restaurants were confined to one strip between Water Street and Chaparral Street. The bar is located at 511 Star Street, which is off that strip by a block or two. Everything inside was black. The walls were pretty much bare, and I would not say it was particularly inviting when it opened. The darkly painted bar was just a shell of what it would become. In the early days, it specialized in more hardcore shows. But that model could not last, as Corpus has proven. It is a town that centers on being adaptable, allowing multiple cultures to mingle. Casey Lane had worked at other music venues in Corpus Christi, like the Executive Surf Club and Concrete Street Amphitheater. He had the experience to make a music venue work. House of Rock was different. The trial and error process began as a way to make the venue more profitable, but it also needed to connect to the community it served. Casey describes some of the challenges he faced. 
Yeah, you know, I was humbled when it first opened because I had a plan, you know, and, and I, what I was used to at this size of venue was a surf club closed at 11 during the week, midnight on Friday and Saturday. Doors started at open at 7, the opener went on at 8, and at 9 o'clock the headliner went on, and that formula just worked, you know. So I, I thought we'd have earlier shows. I thought we would have a wider variety of shows and more songwriters and things that were um, – not that we did at the surf club because I was actually trying to steer clear a little bit of a lot of that stuff just out of respect and, and, uh, you know, friendliness of being a, a neighbor. Um, you know, but there was a lot of things that weren't getting booked at that time at the surf club. So we, I, I made a run at some songwriter shows and different things. And, um, you know, I just couldn't get them to work here, you know, in an early crowd. I didn't have an early crowd here. The crowd here got here at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. So shows were going till 2 a.m., um, you know, which is just super late, you know, to, to, uh, be on your wits, you know, until that time. So, um, you know, I learned to kind of go with the crowd and we had a, a harder crowd that people wanted to hear heavier music and there was a void for that. There was never a venue this size that was doing punk and rock and hardcore shows. And so we were very heavy in those genres. Um, music tastes in Corpus Christi have always crossed boundaries. House rock needed to evolve and match the community around it. The dark walls and hardcore atmosphere needed to change to reflect this multi-genre approach. In the beginning, um, and anything else I tried wasn't really working. You know, it wasn't until probably year three to where we had remodeled the venue a little bit, softened it up, painted the walls. It became less black, less of a rock bar and more of a venue um, to where some of the songwriter shows started to pay off. And, and uh, some of the reggae shows started coming through when we were able to kind of open up our horizons a little bit musically. Um, but that was something that I thought out of the get gate, out of the get go, we needed to be was, you know, play good music, whatever that is, whatever genre that is, is you know, good music, good touring bands. Um, and we did that, but we were stuck in one genre of just heavy, hard music, which was fun, you know, but it was also, um, there's only so many fans in this town that can support that kind of music. And you can't do that seven days a week and have that same fan base come in seven days a week. So we had to broaden our horizons and kind of really shoot for, different genres and different types of events and burlesque shows and things that were just kind of outside the box a little bit, you know? Um, um, so yeah, it, it definitely it took a mind of its own at some point, you know? The unique decor of house of rock is part of the venue's character. Each piece of art is part of the community that inhabits the space. Photographs, paintings, sculptures, musical instruments line the walls. Casey talks about the unique light fixtures, a detail that many would overlook as part of the community's culture. Yeah, no, it's uh, lighting is crazy. We just lit up the outside and the sidewalks and it's only been up for about a month. And the other day I turned it off just to kind of see what it looked like because I'd forgotten, you know, and it was so sketchy. I don't know how I've been in business so long without, you know, lighting up the sidewalk. But, you know, Brian Tierce was an old friend of mine. He worked for a, um, a beer company when I was at the Executive Surf Club. And when I we opened House of Rock, we were sitting here one night and I didn't have a budget, didn't have any you know, money to spend, but I needed new lighting fixtures. And so we were trying to figure out how could we turn a guitar into lights. And we came up with this kind of mental concept of how it would work and uh, I ended up I think on MySpace telling people hey if you bring an instrument to House of Rock you get into the show without paying a cover um, and we picked a show and, and then we had a few guitars show up and some drums uh, some snare drums and Brian took like a prototype took a guitar uh, it was actually a bass guitar I had and uh, turned that into our first guitar light it was like a prototype and then from there we built I think five or six more of those things and kind of put them around um, and from that idea sparked the uh, we had the old kind of 
warehouse lights, like China cap lights, um, and uh, replace those with snare drums and just put a, a gel from a, a stage light on the bottom of it to make our, you know, our drum lights, which are cool. Um, fast forward a few years and those lights on the outside of the building, we just put up our LED lights, you know, and they're weatherproof, but our electrician wanted to go one extra level and, and he wanted to protect them from the sun and he was gonna fabricate these round discs to put on the back side of them just to keep them in the shade. And I uh, said, so, well, how big of a disc are you talking about? And he says, well, pretty much exactly like this pizza pan. So now if you go outside, we've incorporated 13 pizza pans into our 13 lighting fixtures. And so the theme of creating lights out of, you know, instruments and food items and whatnot or kitchen utensils is still ongoing. House of Rock connected to the community. It grew and flourished because of this connection. From the very beginning, it was not simply a bar, but a place that individuals could gather and feel a part of something. Casey tells us about the culture of the venue and how regulars helped establish the venue's identity in the early years. Man, you know what? It's regulars that came in. So there were there was an existing fan base of House of Rock when I partnered. I partnered about a month and a half after the after it opened. So there was already a, a fan base. Um, there wasn't a, a ton of people, but there was a handful of regulars that came from day one, and uh, we ended up. Uh, you know, putting some beer specials on kind of in their favorite things that they liked and that kind of grew. Um, and I would say that most of those people still come around, but most of them have kids now and there are relationships and they moved on and, and grew up a little bit, but they still come around and still give us support. But we were, we were very fortunate that we had a group of really those musicians in this town, musicians uh, and artists, you know, that kind of helped support us through the early years. One of the first times I went to House of Rock in 2005, I met one of the regulars, Arnufo. He never made me feel out of place. He welcomed me and quickly became my friend. We had very little in common, but we sat next to each other at the bar. As years have passed, much has changed, but the people who frequent the bar still invite you in and showcase why spaces like this are important to the community. Man, you know, you're going back to the old customers. I wouldn't be doing House Rock Justice if I didn't mention Arnulfo. Uh, you know, uh, singer to Drastic Actions. I met Arnulfo years ago uh, at another bar. Uh, we hit it off and, uh, you know, became friendly with each other at that point. Used to see him at shows back in the day. Um, but, you know, he, he stood out uh, as, a, as a character. You walked in the door and you would notice Arnulfo. You know, he's probably one of the sweetest guys that come that, that I know. Um, but, you know, he's kind of also at the same time a crusty punk rocker, you know, which gives him his character. Um, but he, uh, you know, we started serving $2 Lone Star. We had a, a guy named Chris Hastings who did some work for us and ran some cables and, you know, went to settle up with them. And he said, all I ask is you serve Lone Star, you know, so he did me a, a solid favor. So I put a permanent $2 Lone Star on special, thinking nobody's going to drink Lone Star except Chris Hastings, you know. Well, it turns out Arnulfo also liked Lone Star. It turns out every punk rocker in this town, I think, wanted to be like Arnulfo, you know, sit at House of Rock and drink $2 Lone Star. So at one point, we became the largest Lone Star retailer in the state of Texas, you know, which was cool because I think they only sell it in Texas, which means we were number one in the world, you know. So we used to claim onto that, you know, or claim that, that fame. House of Rock works because of the community around it. Other geographic locations would not fit the venue or the venue would not be the same. It is the connection between the community and the venue that makes it special. Happened to me. Um, I feel like if we were to take House of Rock and plant it in Houston, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, you know, any other you know major market, we would be one of many. You know, in Corpus, we have the luxury of being the rock and roll bar here in town and, and, and the House of Rock and the place where we can do things like we do. And there's not a lot of other people doing it at this point, at least at this level and this size room. And so even though there's other music venues in this town and there's other event space venues in this town, uh, we're all able to kind of coexist, do things our own way. It is the sense of belonging that makes House of Rock. 
The moment I walked into the bar, I felt at ease. I was there in the early months of 2005. It was dark, it was a bit sketchy, but the people in the bar made me feel like I belonged, just as the people who attended the Ronnie James Dio concert had. Hauser Rock also connects to the city. It has become one of the staples of the community. Casey talks about this connection. You know, we wanted to be a place that grew little by little by little and had a massive foundation and could get by on very little so that we can kind of weather the storms, anything that comes our way. And, you know, being like a, a CBGB type place to where they did not open up intending to be what they became. They became that way because that's just the direction that the fan base took them uh, and their clientele and, and, the, and the, the music in that era. Um, and from a bar standpoint, business standpoint, we always talked about there's places out there like Vernon's and the Texan and Lou's Saloon and these landmark places in Corpus that, you know, aren't that place like the new new place that has all the fame and glory for a year or two and it goes away. We wanted to build slowly and build that fan base and really tie into the community and become part of the fabric, you know, of downtown Corpus. So that's kind of. Memories make a community. It is where the sense of belonging anchors. Just as my first concert experience shaped my identity, House of Rock hopes to do that for many others. Thing happening and, you know, that, that's always a feel good, you know, whenever you feel like you're making a difference in the community, you know, I just feel like everybody remembers their first concert they went to, you know, and so hopefully we're providing that type of experience. House of Rock is used for many events beyond music, art shows, burlesque, comedy, so much more. It is a place to belong. It is where many see their first concert, where many see how they connect to the community around them. I have been to hundreds of venues throughout the country, but there is only one venue that makes me feel at home as soon as I walk in. I feel at ease. I hope others find this sense of belonging like I have in House of Rock. But more importantly, do you remember your first concert? That feeling of nostalgia should linger. It should give you a moment where you feel free, like you are part of something. These events help form our identity as an individual and as a community. Places like House of Rock give the community a place to gather and become connected. Corpus Christi's history may be marked with many places like House of Rock, but that doesn't make this one any less important. History is made where the community is gathered, not just in classrooms or forgotten museums. It is in places like House of Rock. This has been South Texas Stories, and I'm Amanda Kowalski.